That's that is a much better movie. I know that going into this right now. Uh, yeah, but this movie steals from it shamelessly, <laughs> so it's almost the same. Uh, hi everyone! Thanks, uh, thank you for tuning into What a Movie, a nostalgia infused podcast. We are your hosts. I'm James Ferrero, and I'm Nicole Knudsen, and we are not monsters. We might be later on after this. Uh, but we sure are going to continue our monster movie fest for the month of August. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we dive into that, how are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just uh, busy working, getting, making deals, you know, doing business deals and whatnot. It's all fun. Sounds very shady when you oh, put it like I that. Oh, I mean, you know, hey, in this business, everything's a little bit shady, at least like 40%. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm enjoying all that. I'm getting out of town uh, next week and going up to the Bay Area to see some family and some old friends, which I'm very excited for. Get to see my baby cousins. Except one is like not even a baby anymore, but he'll always be a baby cousin to me. Yeah, he's a, he's almost a teenager. He's a fourth grader now. Whoa. One day you'll listen to this podcast, my boy, and go, wait, is he talking about me? Uncle James, stop. It's too late. Listen to this just to humor you, uh, to humor you and we'll be like, I haven't seen any of these movies, Uncle mm-hmm. James. Exactly. And I'll be like, well, that's uh, failing on me as your uncle. Let's, uh, let's get to work on that. Uh, but yeah, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, just had a birthday this week, so that was... Uh, Exciting, I guess. I don't know. Thirty-one is much less exciting than thirty. I've been um, having a great time celebrating I, uh, your birthday. I am still, <laughs> uh, I'm still very, uh, very happy to be in my thirties as opposed to my twenties. Uh, that has not changed. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty low-key birthday. It's on a Tuesday, which is a weird day of the week for your birthday to fall on. We did go to a really cool restaurant. We though. did. Um, felt very bougie going to this tapas restaurant in Silver Lake (laughs) with very healthy pours of wine because that's how they get you to buy more of the tapas Mm -hmm. um but yeah still liking my new job um and that's what's new with me hey it is slightly less hot here in Los Angeles than it was uh last week which is great for me because I spend time in this apartment uh because I now work from home and we don't have air conditioning, so it's, it's much cooler now. I was at, I was at work earlier today, and it was I was in a meeting room with a lot of other people, and I don't know what was wrong. There's usually AC in that room, and there was not, and it was it was feeling so hot, and just the air was still, and it was just gross. So it's much cooler in this apartment, which is shocking. Yeah, that's uh, our apartment traps just so much heat. It's a uh, trap. Or heat. Uh, all of this to say, for the folks who did not read the episode title, what movie are we watching today? <laughs> well, let me tell you, as I just pull out my handy-dandy notes right here, uh, we are watching the well-known classic film from 1998. We are talking about the first American iteration, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, <laughs> also known as the Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. So, what is uh, what is your nostalgic connection with this movie? Uh, I remember. So, I remember actually first seeing. I remember seeing the trailers for this movie, um, like the teasers that they were doing, and I remember like 
it looked really cool. And I remember even my dad, who was usually not like someone who gets easily impressed by like trailers or anything like that, unless it's like something he's really into. Not a movie like this would not have felt he would have been into at all. But it was done so well. It's probably the best scene in the movie. Um, but it was just that one scene and then they just like cut away and it was like Godzilla. And it was enough to like make you go, whoa, like that looks really cool. And we all got really into it. Um, so, and I think I saw it you know, maybe a couple years after it came out. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I did see it a couple years after it came out. It was on TV or we rented it or something. Um, and I don't know why. It was just one that we just kind of watched in our home like fairly often. So I, I have a very strong familiarity with it. Um, but upon looking back on it, uh, don't get ahead of myself here. I don't like this movie. I think this movie is a piece of shit. Now, that being said, I'm excited to rip it to shreds, as I said on the last episode. Uh, but that's my, um, unfiltered opinion. What about you, Nicole? Uh, so this is a, a rare one for this podcast where... We went, my, we as a family went to go see this in theaters. That being said, I did not see most of this movie in theaters because I think I got scared pre uh, pretty early on. And like my mom took me out to like wait in the lobby while my dad and my younger brother, hi Kevin, um, finished this movie. But there's also this story. I don't remember saying this, but this was pre me getting freaked out and needing to leave. Apparently, uh, in like an early, early scene, it's when like a fishing boat gets attacked by Godzilla and you don't really know what it is, or at least in the context of the movie, you don't know. We, the audience, have signed up for a Godzilla film. We know it's fucking Godzilla. Um, but I turned to one of my parents, and this is like six, seven-year-old me, being like, I bet they didn't know what the hell was going on. And I say this out loud to my parents. And then uh, at some point I get scared and have to leave. For 31 years, Nicole has always told the God's honest truth. <laughs> no filter, no bullshitting, just straight up like, he's an idiot. Like, boom, right I, there. I did consider having my parents like tell this story and having me record it but it slipped my mind and now we're recording and i didn't do that but if you do um, want to tell us the story later ron and janine please <laughs> we are listening um so i eventually did see this whole movie this was on a pretty heavy rotation when i was younger um mostly because of my brother uh big into dinosaurs and i think by proxy i was also big into dinosaurs and godzilla is like dinosaur adjacent which is also i think why we went to go see this as a family i am some of the things that I was allowed to watch at a certain age and other things that I was not allowed to watch at other ages, I'm like, I truly do not understand. Yeah, like, you went and saw this when you were I was, seven years old. I was, so this was... But 90, Troy was a no-go. No, 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 not Troy. I, I think maybe it's because it's monsters versus people doing terrible things, but... Godzilla's just a, just an animal. It's just doing what it does. And couldn't you say the real monsters are the people? I mean, yes. Truly. And the people in Troy are monsters as well. Uh, all of this to say, I saw this when it came out and for a decent amount of my childhood watched it quite frequently. I don't think I've seen it since probably the early 2000s. Um... So I don't have a more recent viewing experience to say whether or not I still like this, uh, even knowing that the quality's 
questionable. Uh, I do want to say, though, uh, Vicki Lewis, who has a supporting role in this movie, uh, who is great in everything she, she that she does. Great. She is great. Um, was one of my professors at USC. Uh, so Vicki and Phil, if you're listening, uh, hi. I To this day, uh, your voiceover class was one of the best classes I ever took. Um, anyway, yeah, just that's a, a fun detail. And when I got to USC being like, you're like, I, I felt really bad that I knew her from Godzilla. <laughs> it's like you were in Godzilla and also isn't she in Mouse Hunt I mean that's I think entirely she possible has, like a small part in Mouse Hunt and she's also the voice of Deb and Flo in Finding Nemo she sees this kid coming up it's like oh are you a fan of WKRP in Cincinnati it's like no <laughs> I saw Godzilla um all this to say I have a lot of nostalgic connections and strange personal connections to to parts of this movie I have not personal connections like that, but I have a strong connection to, and we're going to watch the movie, as I remember this, and I, I, I won't give too much away, you'll see it. Um, there is a strong connection, randomly, for no reason at all, to one of my favorite shows of all time, TV shows, in this movie, and I don't know why, um, but we'll watch it, and then we'll uh, we'll discuss that later. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, um, yeah. So those are our connections. Also, let me just also say, like, I know that was a very strong opinion I started out with on there. Don't mistake this for me being like, oh, God, it's a Godzilla movie. That's dumb. I'm like, I am a big Godzilla movie fan. I grew up watching all of those old movies. I was always a big fan of, like, whether there was, like, the original, which is super dark and depressing and really good, or one of the later ones, which were really silly and, you know, a guy in a suit, like, you know, flying in on his tail, kicking over a giant robot. It was great. Um, so I've, I've always been a fan. I've watched a little bit of, like, the newer American ones. I haven't really followed up on those too much. I watched Godzilla vs. Kong because I wanted to see the lizard and the monkey fight. And I wanted to see the monkey bunch of lizard, which I got. <laughs> and it was the best part of that whole movie. Um, and also, I've talked about it on this podcast, other podcasts, um... More recently, 2016, I believe it came out, uh, Shin Godzilla came out. It was a, fr from Japan. Toho restarted it again. It was like a hard reset on the franchise. And it's amazing. I think it won, like, Best Picture at, like, essentially, like, the Japanese Academy Awards that year. It was like, everyone was like, what? But then you see it, and it's a brilliant movie. So, for anyone out there who's like, well, maybe you just hate on Godzilla movies, I do not. I am a big fan. So uh, I just wanted to make that clear. On a scale of one to ten, how well do we think we remember the plot? Oh, seven. Honestly, yeah. I don't know why I remember this movie so well. Me too. I, I, I don't I, get it. Um. Yeah. I. I don't really remember. I don't think they go into how Godzilla like becomes Godzilla, or if they do, it's pretty brief. But then it's just like it's Godzilla takes Manhattan. Um, <laughs> it's like Jason takes Manhattan, but somehow this is better than that. Um, I mean, it's a Godzilla movie. It's a big monster. He takes over the city. The, the, there's a disaster. <laughs> One day he's everywhere. gonna run this town. Um, do we want to give a plot recap or? I mean, I, I kind of like would like to hear yours because I feel like you already kind of started out. Yeah, so I want to kind of hear what your recap so, is. So, um, as I mentioned, Godzilla attacks a Japanese fishing boat. Uh, and somehow makes, I guess, her way? I don't know. I don't know what gender uh, this Godzilla is, but this Godzilla can lay eggs. 
Um, Because that's a big plot point. Um, Godzilla takes over Manhattan. You have Matthew Broderick as like a... a, He's a scientist and he gets paired up with like his ex-girlfriend who he had dated for a long time and had proposed to, but she said no. And she's a journalist or she wants to be a journalist. Um, And they're trying to like get the scoop on this story and like stay in Manhattan. And they're uh, paired up with um, Hank Azaria, who is like a cameraman. (laughs) This is also for the longest time how I knew Hank Azaria, which is wild. (laughs) That is pretty wild. It was that and Anastasia. (laughs) (laughs) That was how I was aware as a child of who the person that is Hank Azaria was. Um, But uh, yeah, it's them trying to get the scoop and the military gets called in because of course it does. Uh, There's like this mass exodus to like try to get out of the city. It's really rainy all the time. It is a Roland Emmerich film, so the Um, military has to be involved. And uh, they wind up finding these eggs and they discover that... uh, Godzilla has turned Madison Square Garden into uh, its nest, into their nest. And then it's... Putting it to better use than the Knicks, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, they got to destroy the nest. And there's the one line of like, yes, let me spell it out for you. I want you to blow up Madison Square Garden. I don't know why I remember that. And then there's also a team of other scientists... Um, of which Vicki Lewis is one of them, um, who are trying to, like, study this thing. Also, there's a Frenchman. Is there? Oh, yeah. He's probably one of my favorite parts, actually, of this movie. I don't remember that. I'm sure that just, he will... Just wait. I'm sure he will walk on screen and be like, <gasps> I remember now. Um, oh, yes. But, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of, like, plot in the middle that I'm forgetting, but, like, that's the basics. I mean, there's... <laughs> In this movie, plot is a uh, is a rare delicacy, I believe. Yeah. What was I gonna say? I had a, I you you reminded me of something in that recap that I was like, oh yeah, that's right. And now I'm trying to remember it, and I can't. So never mind. <laughs> Forget I said anything. Oh, One that's of... right. I'm sorry. That that's what I was gonna say. Um. So yeah. So this was directed by Roland Emmerich, who. known mostly as like the big disaster movie guy so it all tracks of you know well of course he's going to want to destroy new york city and i believe this came out a few years after i believe actually two years after independence day which was his like big big sci-fi alien hit that is probably how he got this movie it went well you did this with independence day we'll give you godzilla we'll get to those numbers later (laughs) um i also remember one of the members of the scientist team is just like sick all the time he just has a perpetual cold or like allergies it's like huh, so funny back then just the guy who's always kind of like oh he's always I mean, like, coughing all over the place like, no <laughs> use your sick days stay home i don't care that there's a radioactive monster on radioactive. the loose radioactive. <laughs> yeah did you know imagine dragons did a song on this they don't they don't they went back in time and wrote this for the Godzilla soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> or what if that was the inspiration for the song? It went like, we want to write a song about Godzilla. Here we go. We'll call mm-hmm. it Radioactive. Maybe that was the inspiration. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I imagine dragons from the South now either. Um, 
ba 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 where are we? Uh, I think it's time for our nostalgia-infused grades. So the first time you saw this movie or, like, at the, the peak time when you would have watched this and your first thoughts on it. Uh, so this is, like, do I have to go back to that or is this just my current memory of it? What you thought of it when you first saw it. Okay, okay. When I was when I was just a little boy and I saw this, I probably I feel like even amongst like movies I was watching, I always kind of knew this one wasn't necessarily great, but it was fun. Like I'm sure as a kid I enjoyed it. It was like a fun silly time. So like I'd say like a C plus probably is probably where I was as a kid. Thinking back on it now, it's a solid like D, but that's that's, <laughs> that's for later. That. That's, that's for either. later. But also, I haven't I haven't seen it in a long time, so who knows? Maybe it'll be lower. Um, yeah, baby. But C, but C plus is where I will I I can live with that. Yeah, baby Nicole did not have the uh, the narrative taste or critical eye that uh, current Nicole has. Um, probably a B plus. In my nostalgic memory. Right. Watched it a lot. I remember enjoying it as a kid, you know, once I got over the fact that it was, you know, loud and scary. Um, Probably watching it at home was better and not on a giant screen. That's probably why I did better as a young child. Also, if I was like six or seven when this came out, Kevin was like four. I was going to say it was like, like you saw this in theaters. He would have had to have been like, we had also seen Jurassic Park at this point in our lives, which. Yeah. is another one where it's like how were how how were we allowed to watch this because your parents wanted to bring you up watching the classics seeing people get eaten by monsters is fine but oh no they reference sex gasp well they reference sex in Jurassic Park but they seem to get away with that ah autoerotica hey I'm just quoting the movie <laughs> uh so C plus for you B plus for me for nostalgic grades um, all right, dear listener, uh, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you for joining us uh, for, for our rewatch of Godzilla. Um, before we take our break to go watch the movie, uh, do we know what we will be having for drinks and, and or snacks? Uh, we usually like to partake in, it's usually an adult beverage of some kind, not always. Um, I'm a little torn, um... I might go to beer. I might go to the scotch. I'm eyeing it right now as if it's going to turn to be like, you should drink me. Be like, hey, stop. The drugs are kicking in. But what about you? I am undecided. It's very hot, and I don't know if I want alcohol uh, this evening, but we do have ice cream in the freezer. So I might have a little bit of ice cream. I'm not sure. Uh, Stay tuned, Would you scream for it? I Yes. Much like a lot of people in this movie, I, will, I think. I will scream for ice cream, yes. I mean, we had to scream for our dinner at that wedding we were at like two months ago. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah, that's right. We, we were at a wedding where they were... Uh, they they released tables by like different criteria where it's like the table that had, you know, the couple who had been together the longest and like some, you know, someone's grandparents or great-grandparents had been like married for like 50 years. Cheers. They got to go. Um, but then they were like... <laughs> The loudest table, and of course we are seated with a bunch of theater kids. They stuck and we're a like, lot of the theater kids at the same we're table. We're hungry! And we got to go. So we literally screamed for our dinner. Flipping tables, knocking people out of the way. Like, we are the loudest table here! Um, Which was impressive because that didn't even include like a lot of the USC contingent. No. We were like 
And we were further away, too. We were like the furthest table. See, kids, this is why it's important to always get vocal lessons and to keep your voice warmed up at all times, because you Mm -hmm. never know when that could happen. All this to say, I don't actually know what I will be drinking or snacking on during the movie. Um, But alrighty, it is time for us to take our break to go watch Godzilla, and we'll be, uh, be back to give a more thorough breakdown of what actually happens in this disaster of a disaster movie. We can see what happens to the giant Polynesian iguana. (laughs) Uh, Alrighty, folks. We'll be back soon. But will you? the turns have tabled <laughs> so long and thanks for all the fish <laughs> oh that's so sad uh, i know but so was this entire <sighs> viewing experience oh man Ooh, welcome back everyone doggy. Ooh, <laughs> we have just completed our rewatch of 1998's godzilla or a mishmash of every summer blockbuster that came out in the 20 years before it yeah how many movies did this one rip off? Like, I, I caught well, most of the Jurassic Park references. I was keeping track um, of the ones that stuck out that were blatantly obvious. Uh, I'm sure there were a lot more. The blatant ones included, obviously, Jurassic Park, first and foremost, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jaws, Star Wars, Aliens, Alien, and King Kong. Not bad. <sighs> and it's not even close to... To being the quality of any of those. It's close to being something. For that, that that's for damn it sure. It sure is something. And there are there are some some great moments in there this. There are some saving graces, they I will, are few, I will say. But they, they, they are were, there. There were more than I remembered. I remember this movie having no saving graces, so I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> uh okay. Wow. Um wow, I wow, wow, wow. I made it about an hour into this film without any uh drinky drink and then was like i could use a small glass of whiskey uh and And then she popped it open (laughs) because i was like i this is only my second beer which for this movie is impressive yeah it's like and and you're drinking uh japanese beer which i think is appropriate yeah sapporo (laughs) this is this podcast brought to you by sapporo please sponsor us please sapporo we we will happily take your money we're big fans (laughs) um anyway Wow, Where I, to begin? I, I feel know. like I remembered a lot of this really clearly. And then there would there would be certain scenes that once they started, I would be like, oh, this is when this happens. Like I mm-hmm. as soon as like a moment began, like I remembered uh uh you know, like Nick is following what's his face, uh the the military guy, and he's like well, where's the sample? And it's like, you're standing in a footprint. And then lo and behold, the camera mm-hmm. zooms out and he, it's in a giant footprint. Like that, that was one moment of many where it's like, oh, I remember this. So that seems like a great place to start because I, I remember you said this from the credits, from the start of the opening titles, you said the same thing. So that yes. might be a really good place to start. So everything is in sepia. Everything is in a sh- a very orange shade of sepia, and it's all about like it's nuclear- the '90s. Everything is very orange. Um, and it's a montage of clips of 
nuclear testing in French Polynesia and lots and lots of shots of iguanas. And like these iguanas, the way they shoot it, uh, it seems like they're just kind of like hanging out. Like they're just like coming up and like, hey, Fred, did you see they're doing another test? Ooh, okay. And they all just get up and they're all watching it. And then all these explosions go off and then one leaves almost like, Yep, I've seen enough. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go. Let's get out of here. Just for the record, my notes describing the opening credits are, and these all end in an exclamation point, sepia, iguanas, nuclear bombs, a lone egg. I'm glad that all of your notes ended in an exclamation point because so did mine. <laughs> it's like, And then after the opening credits, we get the attack on the fishing boat, on the Japanese fishing mm-hmm. boat. Uh, Which... And- Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Honestly, up to a certain point, this movie had me, and I remember why. Because it's like, you have those opening titles, which are like, well done, and like, kind of present the sense of mystery and all that. It's very heavy-handed and on the nose. If it's like, iguana, nuclear explosion, C, C. But, you know, it's like, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's trying get... to introduce some exposition and backstory in a very quick and concise manner. But then you get to the Japanese fishing boat, which was so short but honestly felt more compelling than pretty much anything else in this movie because there's a real sense of like one this movie does a good job for the first part or so of not really showing you the creature which we'll get into later that was a question i wrote down of like do they show Godzilla too soon and the answer is yes yes they do the but answer up, up is up to this point yes. they still don't they still don't. It's all very much hidden, and you don't know what's happening. And all you know is it's a Japanese fishing boat that gets attacked. Mm-hmm. And it's shot very well. Um, you really get the sense of tension throughout. You don't know what's attacking them, but it's enough to make you go, all right, we're in a monster movie. So that's how that's how we start things off. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, what happens next? We cut over to the not-at-all-relevant subject of the country of Ukraine. In uh, Chernobyl, which it is very strange to think about how the Chernobyl incident happened barely a decade before this movie was created. Mm-hmm. It's, like, truly wild. Like, here in the not-comfortable cushy year of 2022, everything is a disaster. But the further-removed year of 2022 from the Chernobyl disaster... Um, it's very strange to like just see somebody just rolling up um singing singing in the rain and this is where we meet who uh nick totopoulos also i just want to address this now there's a running gag throughout this movie where no one can get nick's last name right it's also not that hard of a last it's also not that hard it is definitely not that hard and as two people who have marginally difficult last names to pronounce yours is arguably harder than mine Mine is is slightly harder uh i don't think that yours is difficult at all i don't think so either but but i understand vowels i understand how the vowels in the alphabet works yeah but people don't read um it's just it's not funny it's a running gag that is never funny it's mildly amusing the first time it happens and then every time after that when people just can't get it right and he is played by the human embodiment of baking flour known as Matthew Broderick, who rolls up singing this song, electrocuting worms out of the ground. 
Yeah, he... and later we're impl- it's implied to believe that it's like you know well we shouldn't be harming this animal and it's like you electrocuted these fucking worms bro just a little shock just to pull them up just a little shock from that car battery that was like like sparking <laughs> i don't know um but anyway he's not he, he's not so great. he is in chernobyl as you might guess studying the effect of radiation specifically on the earthworms of the area uh and then much like John Hammond swooping in in his helicopter to be like, hey, uh, I have an island off the coast of Costa Rica. Um, It's this mysterious government official from the U.S. government being like, you're being reassigned. Uh, And they don't tell him why or where he's going. They just say your your work here is done. And I believe he's played by, I believe it's Glenn Moshauer, I want to say the actor's name is. I hope I got that right. Uh, you may not you may not know the name, but you have seen this guy playing military guys for at least the last thirty years. Um, if you watch in the Transformers movies, he's always in there. Of like, if you've been on the Transformers ride, he's in the pre ride queue. He's <laughs> out there. So this is a guy who was born to play these roles, and he's the one who's like, you know, we're reassigning you to a thing in a mysterious place, and thus the plot gets started. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just want to give myself a small pat on the back for remembering how it is, with very few exceptions, always raining. It is always raining. I gave Apart- you a small pat on the back. There were a couple of of scenes, I think it was mostly when they were filming in Hawaii, where it was sunny and beautiful. Every other time, rain. rain and I'm like, and why? dreary and dingy You are making dark. this even harder on yourself. On this massive movie... That is already so difficult to make. You were adding rain to this? We heard rain adds an effect. Yeah, at times, not for the entire movie. It's just everyone is always damp. (laughs) Everybody. Well, yeah, they are in more ways than one, as we'll get to pretty soon. Um, Yikes. uh, Where are we? Uh, Nick gets reassigned, and he is flown to Panama? Is that the first stop? Panama. Yeah. Uh, Where... We meet uh, Vicky Lewis, who is wildly underutilized. Oh, my God. She has this nothing film. to do in this um, movie. And she's clearly one of the better actors in it. Yeah. I'm just like, make Nick a woman and make Vicky <laughs> Nick Totopoulos. Honestly, that would be a whole lot better. That because, would be an incredible film. you see why they bring Nick in. Make her the gonna... Frenchman. I mean, I... No, 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 no. The keep, Frenchman's team. No, no, no. Keep, keep the Frenchman. The Frenchman is great. But That's true. you can have her be the American counterpart who's far more on her shit than Nick is. She's taking, as we as we discovered later on in the film, Nick plays an important part at the beginning of this movie and immediately becomes irrelevant. Yeah. She would be far more interesting. Yeah. Also, she's not just a human piece of blank paper. So that helps too. Um. Anyway, uh, Vicky Lewis plays. I got more insults. Uh, plays Elsie, who is a paleontologist, who is also part of this team, who has been assembled by the U.S. government to like try to figure out what the fuck is happening. And she just can't let it go. Hmm. Elsie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh. And we introduce. Uh. I guess it's not the introduction, but a typical like '90s logic of like, oh. We can have a man being a walking, uh, you know, HR problem and sexual harassment claim if we also have a woman doing that. And uh, Elsie, unfortunately, fills that role, but only for the very beginning. She's like 
She finds Nick wildly attractive. I mean, she they don't show the scenes, but you know off camera she's trying to get in his pants constantly. Yeah. Like, Which, they, like she, she looks and is immediately like, oh, hello. Which like, is, there's no subtlety there. Which is mostly an issue because they make it clear, like, from the moment that we meet this character, that she is his boss. Like, that is how she is introduced to Nick. It's the first of these, of the many 90s moments of this movie where we're like, ha, right? <laughs> Your boss hitting on you. That's it the does, 90s, am I right? That, like, that through line with Elsie and Nick does blessedly disappear it pretty quickly. It goes nowhere. You don't need it. it it's goes, stupid. It, it goes nowhere. Nowhere, no and it was just like, oh, how do we make a, a female character interesting? She has to be in love with our leading man. This is also. I would argue that uh, Nick Totopoulos is not the leading man. The leading man of this film is either, um, oh God, uh, Philippe Rocher and or Godzilla. Wait. Those are your leading men. His last name is Rocher? Yeah. <gasps> I have found my counterpart. Yeah. Ferrero has met Rocher. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I did only, not realize that. I only knew that because of the credits. And also, um, speaking of mispronouncing last names, a uh, military guy reads like a business card with, I guess, had his actual name on it, which seems ill-advised. Um, but it's like Mr. Roach. And it, no, it's Roche. Uh, hmm. Or Roche. This is also our intro when we meet Oatil in Panama. We meet our military general head honcho figure. Played by the always reliable Kevin Dunn He's as great. a military general, who honestly he always does plays, his job really well. He always plays kind of the same part, but he always does it really well. It's it's an old thing about actors. I always feel where it's like you know what, like we only want you for this kind of part, and honestly, sometimes that's all we really need you for. Versatility can be wildly overrated, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, if you need a military type or you need a strict father type who maybe is a bit abrasive but whose heart is in the right place we'll be getting to that movie later on this year <laughs> and maybe next year um but he's the guy that you want he he does it quite well yeah. so i'm like all right but we we introduce him and also it's a i never noticed this before he has a fascinating relationship with nick as being this sort of like yeah they say he's like the gruff military type who's like you know hey well, what do you want get the, get the fuck out of my way ma 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 but, you know, he does start to embrace Nick's theories and is supporting him and only turns on him later for a good reason. Yeah. But it was interesting about that last scene was like, wow, the, like the gruff military guy who's usually the no-nonsense, like, I don't want any of this science pseudo-bullshit here. I'm doing mm-hmm. my thing. He actually is I brought listening. in the scientist because I was told to bring in the scientist. But now he's actually listening to the scientist. I was like, oh, that's a cool little flip there. That I, that, that I forgot about. We'll get to that part later. Yeah. Anywho, I he's also, there as well. I cannot believe that I forgot to mention um, Jean, Rousse, uh, Jean Renaud. Uh, who, Jean Renaud. Jean uh, Renaud. Leon, the professional. Uh, who is <laughs> Philippe Rocher. Because I... The minute he appeared on screen, this was one of those moments where it's like, Oh, yeah! You! I totally forgot about the subplot of like the the... The French, the French Secret Service. Secret Service who are trying to basically clean up the mess that their government has made by all of the nuclear testing that they did, which is a much more interesting movie. That subplot is far more interesting. Um, but I also, I remembered there being a fourth person in like the last third of this film in the final act, and I couldn't remember who it was. It was like, you've got... Uh, Nick, you've got um, Animal, played by Hank Azaria, and you've got Audrey, um, 
And then I was like, there's one other person. Who is it? And I was like, it's this guy. I also think that the cover of being an insurance agent is a brilliant cover for all of the stuff that they need to do. And honestly, it's it's not intrusive enough, but it makes sense why you would be there. Because and why you're, you're an, asking questions. Yeah, you're an insurance hound and you're and you're the first person they, they wouldn't be suspicious of and also the first person they would be like, yeah, just like go away, go away, go away. We don't want you here. So yeah. they won't pay any attention to you. It's a brilliant move. Yeah. Uh, this all to say, this was back to the thing I was telling you about earlier before we started recording again. The movie I want is I want the first half of a Godzilla movie to be this Japanese fishing boat that gets attacked. And the end of that first half is the boat getting attacked. Mm-hmm. And then I want to... Yeah, they keep picking up weird things on the and radar. And then I want a hard cut away. halfway through the movie where we leave that entirely and we go to the French Secret Service who's trying to figure out what's happened. Yeah. And I want the rest of the movie to be them figuring out what is what this problem is for me those were the those are the best scenes of the movie for me and i want to combine it all into one movie and i will be if you donate to my indiegogo <laughs> um in this version um godzilla swims into paris via the seine instead of into manhattan because as they established later the Hudson river is apparently as deep as the pacific or the atlantic oh ocean like, i so why can't the sin be as well? I've only been to New York a handful of times in my life. Never have I been in the Hudson River. Also, I don't think you should swim in the Hudson River. That seems like a bad idea. Kramer did that once. It was a bad idea. Um, I don't think that the Hudson River is deep enough to hide... One Godzilla? One whole, full-grown Godzilla. Also, how does Godzilla fit in the subway tunnels? This thing is as big as a skyscraper. <laughs> hey, you've heard about New York subway system. It's amazing. That may be. Godzilla is as big as a skyscraper. Let's see him try to navigate the subway system of Los Angeles. He'll get so lost. He'll be like, am I in downtown? Like, you're on the gold line. You're well, in Pasadena. You, you can only go to like five places. So it's a. it will be a very quick trip. He's going to end up at LAX and be like, oh, damn he's it, gonna, no. He's, he'll emerge onto the expo line and being like, what? I thought I was burrowing. Why am I above ground? You got to get back to 7th and Metro, baby, if you want to start transferring. <laughs> Uh, this makes no sense to anybody who does not live in Los this Angeles. Is all, this, this is for the L.A. crowd. Oh. You know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> but to get back to the story here, we've got... So the French Secret Service is also trying to figure it out, and they corral the only survivor of this Japanese fishing boat, who is just terrified beyond belief. Oh, yeah, he's and in shock. And literally completely in shock. Yeah, his, his, his boat was pulled under. I assume everyone else died. They did. They either got eaten or they drowned. I think they drowned because we learn later that the Godzilla monsters will only go after you if they smell like fish or if uh, they're just really, really hungry. But mostly if you smell like fish. But we find this this poor man here, to which Jean Renault manages to get him to talk by lighting a lighter in front of him. Yeah, okay, sure, why not? Was it like, uh, I'm going to hypnotize you, except it doesn't go on for long enough? Also, he speaks to him in English. Yeah. And he understands. Doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, but this is where we get the first reveal of Gojira. Mm-hmm. Very clever move on the part of the filmmakers. They have a few clever moves in here. Um, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, <laughs> so... And literally in this it's movie, It's Gojira, it you moron. See? Exactly. 
So, and thus our plot is out there. Nick is in Panama figuring this all out. He's in a giant footprint. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, he's been well, brought on because they've detected traces of radiation in the footprint. Um, Elsie is there because obviously she's a paleontologist. And it was like, is this some sort of long lost dinosaur? We start getting into... Oh, we also meet their other co-scientist who has barely anything to do in this movie. His only personality trait is that he has a cold. Which does make you nervous that he's like coughing and sneezing and touching people. Um, makes you makes you feel a little bit weird. And he does have a line later where, as we were talking about, when like in Nick's numerous jumps to conclusions of scientific method, that this guy finally goes, how could you possibly know that? We're like, he's right. That is my the overwhelming question that i have for so much of this movie there's, of, a, there's a lot of objection how, and conjecture how do you know this how do you know you don't know it's a guess and people are right to question you um i yeah there's a lot of wild leaps in logic that turn out to be accurate but that's just dumb luck. But while this is all going on, we shoot over to our other story in bum, bum, ba, da, dum, bum, bum, ba, da, dum. the city that never sleeps. It's yep. never uh, labeled as New York. But we all know it because they go there and there's a big city in the rain and we go Chicago. Oh, it's New York, New York. I knew it all along, mm-hmm. and we're there. Um, where we meet who? We meet Audrey. Uh, uh, who is, she's not a reporter at the local news station in New York City. She wants to be um, and has been the assistant to like the head anchor for three years. But it has no deserveable talent. Uh, yeah. As we discovered. Has, isn't really great at her job. And the first chance that she gets to like break a story of her own, she violates all rules of journalistic integrity by uh quoting somebody who was not on the record and stealing footage that is labeled very clearly as top secret all that was missing was just like a a face that was going shush um but all this to say she does stand up to her very sexist boss who is the other walking um HR sexual harassment complaint. Yeah, who, you thought it was the just head ridiculous. No. Um, yeah, that one Harry does. Harry Shear. <laughs> um, and she, uh, we learn pretty pretty early on in the movie that she and Nick uh, were college sweethearts. They dated for almost oh, I'm four sorry. years. They were college sweeties, as she says. She's my college sweetie, as she's like sucking on a lollipop. I'm like, why are you infantilizing this woman? Uh, yeah, also, they're clearly yeah, it's like, in their okay let's say that they dated all through college and they broke up at like the end of college it is eight years later these people are about 30 years old but man you'd think she was fucking 14 years old no and uh yeah she's the ex like it is assumed the only ex of nick totopoulos because he still carries like pictures of her from when they were together He's like, carried it like a so psychopath. long, he's led to multiple Olympics. It's insane. <laughs> um, and we're jumping all over the place, but later on, when they so obviously... Movie, to be fair. Obviously, when they reconnect, um, Audrey sees this, like, wall of photos that he brings with him. He travels all over the world, as we see. I never forgot he, about we, you. We meet him in... 
Ukraine. He then goes to Panama. He then goes to New York. And he brings this, like, photo wall of pictures of the two of them and of her with him. And Audrey sees this. And it's, like, the music plays. And it's, it like, the music would have you believe that it's a sweet moment. And I said out loud to the television, Audrey, run away. You know... You know that, like, every time Elsie was going to sleep in Panama, she could hear Nick in the other room just, like, crying himself to sleep. And it was like, jeez. All this to say... I uh, lost all attraction uh, for this man. Audrey and Nick uh, are an item. Um, who else is well, at they, the... Well, they were, were an item. They were an item. Then um, they broke up, and now she's trying to get this job at her news reporting station. And the only reason that this piece of garbage is not more looked on not so fondly is because her boss is like also garbage yeah uh her news anchor boss played by harry Shearer, who is essentially just like yo let me take you to dinner let's go to back to your place let's fuck and i'll get you that promotion you know he's matt lauer yeah anyway uh so- one of the only moments where audrey like has a backbone or any type of character or any, definition at all or any sort of uh, and she's like no her character or body for that matter yeah um and she, she also yeah. she works there with um her but friend lucy who is married to animal uh, these are like Victor. two of her closest friends. two of her closest friends who are not good friends they are like yeah you just don't have what it takes to make it in this town and these are we are led to believe her best friends well these are also the two embodiments embodiments of like new york this is me i'm here i'm doing my thing and it's like you know like there everyone's like it's doggy dog. You gotta be a killer, baby. Come on, they are, you gotta do your thing. The film would have Gabagool. us believe that these are her best friends, and they put her down so bad. These are two characters. Of like, you're that, too nice. They're out of a Sopranos porno. It's ridiculous. Uh, played by Hank Azaria, and I forgive me, I don't know the actress's name, but yeah, but Lucy's Lucy's barely in the movie. <laughs> Lucy is there to be like, did you forget I'm from New York? And it's like, no, we did not. Um, but yes, then we also have Hank Azaria as Animal, which this is the beginning of what we discussed as a criminal underuse of Hank Azaria yeah, in this movie. And, I, Harry, and Harry Shearer, for that matter, too. These are both fantastic comedic actors that get nothing to do with this yeah, movie. Yeah, honestly, I, I really like Hank Azaria in this movie. I think he is not given nearly enough to do. But I, I feel like he understands the film that he is in. And I think it helps that he has such innate comedic sensibilities because if there was more of like a wink to the audience than this movie would like wants us to think that there is, like it's ridiculous. Everything about this film is absolute like just bananas tomfoolery. And yeah. I feel like if you had people who had more of an, a natural comedic inclination, not playing into it, not making it, like, sticky or anything, but I feel like it would fall into the, like, so bad it's good, or at least it has a sense of humor. There is very little humor in any of this. But that's the thing, is that, like, he seems to get that the actor who plays... Um, Philippe. Yes, no, I, I was going to say, it was a, oh. uh, who, who's his wife? Vicky? Oh, um... Uh, Lucy. 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 Uh, Lucy seems to get it. Jean Renault's Philippe seems to get it. Harry Shear seems to get it. Some actors, the, the, the heavy hitters you bring in, seem to understand that, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly enough to make up for everything else. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
But, but we're in New York, and mm-hmm. hey, what could go wrong in the city that never sleeps? And there's like reports on the news of the of the Japanese fishing boat that was sunk. Uh, they get reports of um, like fishing trawlers that get pulled under that are just off the coast of uh, uh, the eastern seaboard of North America, um, which is how they kind of know like oh it. Eventually, it erupts from the water. Oh and yeah, and yeah, climbs you, you, into Manhattan. You, you, you get another boat that gets sunk. It doesn't matter. We don't care about any of the people there. But we get news reports. One of which they're in New York, and we get a report by none other than L.A. legend Rob Fukuzaki, who shows up briefly. And I was like, Hey, 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 wait a minute. That's an L.A. guy. I I know this guy, but they're in New York, and I just looked it up to make sure. Yeah, he is an ABC Seven news anchor and the host of sports zone he is an la local sports person <laughs> doing this international this like report in new york i just had to bring that up yeah anywho but all that to say our godzilla has found his way to the big apple itself and this this was the scene i mentioned in that teaser trailer earlier about how like oh this looks really cool and it's one of the coolest looking moments of the movie is this old guy goes out on the pier his fishing line gets snatched away and Godzilla rises up and just obliterates the dock with this old guy running away. On its own, really cool shot. Oh, this is all before we really get to see Godzilla as well. Yeah, so you like just I see said, like... We're brief, not there yet. You see glimpses. But we get another great shot of him rising up next to the highway with a shit ton of boats on his back, dropping them off on the highway. To be perfectly fair, it's a really cool shot. Yes. It's a very cool shot. Do we want to take this moment... Since we have finally met Godzilla. Godzilla has emerged from the ocean to talk about the visual effects. Well, yeah, I guess we're kind of getting around there. Because now we're like, we're getting past, like we're getting something in the in the fog and the shadows. It still looks pretty cool. But we're about to get into, we're getting a bit more of the creature we're, itself. We're about to get like full on, very clear shots. And it's, the CG is really starting to look a little shabby. And believe us, it's only the beginning. The fact that this movie came out pretty much right smack in the middle of Jurassic Park and Reign of Fire. Yeah. Like, almost exactly, is shocking. Because it looks infinitely worse than either of them. Also, I mean, like, you know, it came out after, like we talked about, Independence Day came out a couple years before this. By the same director... With, I'm sure some of those effects look a little dated now. Overall, I would argue, still looks pretty fucking cool. And this is also a year before, I don't know, The Phantom Menace. A pretty terrible movie, but with arguably really good special effects. Yeah, with like pretty groundbreaking yeah. special effects. So this is all, like, all, all to say there are still groundbreaking movies happening around this time in the late 90s. This is a big budget Hollywood release of an American basic reboot of this legendary character... And this CG we get is on par with a sci-fi original movie. It's rough. I will say that the destruction that happens in the wake of Godzilla, like, you know, Godzilla's walking through these corridors of huge skyscrapers in Manhattan and, like, his tail like scrapes the side and the effect of like the building like crumbling down like that looks better than Godzilla does but it's it like 
Also, it manages the change from, like, because I agree, like, the shot of, like, the tail scribbling against the side of a building and destroying a building looks really cool. But then almost immediately, he becomes just this, like, ninja who can dodge between buildings of, like, whoop, 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 yeah. whoop, whoop, and no one can see him and there's no destruction. And I'm like, yep, oh, all yeah, right. Yeah, I, also, how does Godzilla fit in the subway system? <laughs> If he can make it there, he can make it anywhere. That's great. Ba, 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 da, da. Again, he's the size of some of these buildings. Those buildings aren't fitting in a subway tunnel. How can Godzilla? I, I feel like they they get around it by like, oh no, he's like literally carving a path. But then all that but to like, say, all he's that to say, he's stuck. now invaded the city, is running through, and we're starting to see a bit of the. A bit of the roughness of some of the CG. It's beginning yeah. to look a little, a little tired. Um, but then we get the one of the other big trailer shots that was used in promos years later of Animal, Hank Azaria, seeing this, grabbing a camera, and going to shoot this so he can get it on camera and bring it to the news station. Because as I, uh, my conjecture is that Animal works at the news station to pay the bills, but he really, <laughs> his, his secret dream is to be a documentarian. And he eventually gets older and becomes the documentarian in Nope. Might be a bit of a stretch, but you might be right there. He's just like, yeah, I do this news channel job to pay the bills and to, you know, like, how's my wife and everything like that, but I really want to work in a documentarian position. I really want to tell the truth. I saw a National Geographic movie, and I am, like, all over that right there. But yeah, he uh, quite recklessly runs toward the monster because uh, I, he, he got to get the news out there. Um, and but this would have struck me as a golden moment where, like, and I and I, I agree, I did like for the most part what Hank Azaria did in this movie overall. But like, if you had either him or maybe even a bigger star at the time, who people see and like, wow, this guy's in this movie. And he goes out and immediately gets killed because he gets crushed by Godzilla. Would have been such a brilliant move of like, hey, like who who was popular in nineteen ninety eight? I don't know. But um, but I know what you're talking about. Like, like that would have been that would have been such a it's great. It's the effect of, of having Drew Barrymore in Scream. It's which, and, which in it, that opening section, which is all inspired by having the Janet Lee and Psycho. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all the same thing. It's yeah, like yeah. you have a big star who gets killed off pretty soon. It's like whoa. Which would have been, I don't know, I think that would have been a really fun thing, but I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, who was really famous in 1998, specifically? Like, for like, that role like, in particular? Like, what if it had been, like, 1998 George Clooney, schlepping it up as this, like, guy know. who, like, I, I know, I, I, I'm stretching, but I, that's why you're like, well, there's no way, there's no a- way he'd be playing this character in this movie, because he wouldn't. But then he immediately goes out and gets killed. Wouldn't it would he, be hilarious. He did play Batman the year before. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking like 1998, like Tom Hanks or something. It's like Tom Hanks hanging out. It's like, I'm a cameraman. And then he runs out and gets crushed. That would have been incredible. And then he's like dead. And you're just like, what? That would have been amazing. No one is safe. Um, all of this to say, uh, Godzilla shows up in Manhattan and, uh, thus begins, well, the conjecture doesn't start here, but. Does the concept of making a nest come up now, or it's just... That comes up later, yeah. Um, well, but well, I, I do want to oh. share perhaps my favorite line of dialogue in this whole movie. <laughs> you got to say what I think you're going to say. It's an island, yes. water on all sides. Yep. Yes, that is the 
textbook definition of what, not an, a peninsula. of what an island is, Nick. It's not a fjord. It's not an, an island. And guess what? There's it's not water. An let me let me do the bit. <laughs> there's a it's an island and there's water on all sides. Who knew? Everyone, that's what an island is. He had to tell the audience. <laughs> they they might have forgotten. I died when that line of dialogue was spoken. It's because just... it's it, every once in a while there's a line that's like actually clever or actually funny and maybe it's not funny on the page but it's still deli- delivered by somebody else and no offense Matthew Broderick but you just don't have a very interesting part in this film <laughs> Nick is kind of a nothing part <laughs> as is Audrey He's they're in- useful for the plot because mostly Audrey is useful because she works at the news station and has that eventually they need to broadcast to the whole city later. Um, but honestly, Hank Azaria could have also served that function. <laughs> if he was an herb, he'd be dried parsley. All this to say, um, Godzilla's raging. This is all happening. They need we to evacuate this, New York. Th- 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 this is where we get that weird uh, TV show connection I mentioned in the first part that I wanted to bring up. So as I've said... Harry Shearer and Hank Azaria play prominent parts in this movie. And then, which might be a coincidence in and of itself, but then we get a bizarre cameo from an, like a character who he doesn't get anything else to do in the news office with Harry Shearer. This woman on the phone who turns and sees Godzilla walk by and is like, uh, sir, sir. And of course, Harry Shearer I think your story just walked by the window. It's the whole, like, what are you talking about? There's nothing there. It's that whole thing. Which doesn't make anything except... That's Nancy Cartwright. <laughs> so we have Nancy Cartwright, Hank Azaria, and Harry Shearer in this Godzilla movie. For any of you Simpsons fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, why is Bart Simpson telling Montgomery Burns about this while Moses like is running around with a camera? I don't know. Why does it matter? It doesn't make any sense. Is Roland Emmerich just a really big Simpsons fan? If he is, like, I'll give him credit. I'll say, like, you have good taste, man. But, like, this is this is bizarre. Also, you got Nancy Curry. Why didn't you use her more? <laughs> She's awesome. Anyway, I, I, I digress. Uh, so we're getting through all this. He's attacked. That's all happening. The military comes in. The island uh, has water on all sides, as you said. <laughs> uh, that still hasn't changed. Uh, I There's a mass exodus out of oh, Manhattan. And we meet the mayor of New York. The pettiest joke in this entire movie. He he exists purely to be a minor inconvenience to everybody else. And he exists because Roland Emmerich had a thing against Roger Ebert as well. Mm. Oh, is that why his last name is Ebert? He's Mayor Ebert and the guy and his like aide is Gene, as in Gene Siskel. <laughs> These this was Siskel and Ebert. This was the critic dynamic duo from back in the day they used to do movie reviews um i grew up with these guys i remember these guys really well and they weren't particular fans of a lot of roland emmerich's movies as you can probably imagine why uh they gave their opinions whether or not you agreed with them or not they gave their opinions that's what they did and emmerich was not a particular fan of getting his movies trashed so he literally put ebert in the movie as this villainous mayor character with Siskel as his aide as his little like get back at you thing which I think Ebert talked about in his review of just being like 
well, if you're going to use me in your movie, like, do it better or something. Where it was like, he, like, gave right back. They were all be- they were all being petty. It was all just a petty thing. But it was like, it's the weirdest flex of it's like, yeah, and I Roger Ebert became the mayor of New York and he's an asshole. Yeah. But, you know, it goes to show you, like, what, a media celebrity becoming a head of government? Like, how, how will that ever go wrong in this world? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, that's happening as well. It was also very strange it, it made sense knowing when this movie was made but seeing the world trade center in Ooh. shots and then like it gets struck by lightning at one point not destroyed it is still standing at the but end yes that somehow the chrysler building gets shot down but not somehow the world trade they center. didn't because i feel if that had happened Honestly, in this movie I, I don't know what this movie's legacy would be Honestly, I feel like, and they mention this in the movie, they do mention it's the, like, 1991 World Trade Center bombing. So I feel like they were like, the World Trade Center is off limits. We can't do that. They already have that, yeah, that awkward reference, like, you know, this has been the worst attack since the 1993, like, World Trade Center terrorist bombing. And you're like, yeah, it's, I definitely have not seen this movie since 9-11. That I can say with a decent amount of certainty. So I just watched this movie a shit ton between 1998 and 2001. But then it's just a lot of bullshit in this movie. It's There's just so like, much bullshit. They're, they're just like trying to figure out how do you lure Godzilla out? What do you yeah. do? And meanwhile, you have the subplot, which again is the most interesting part of this movie with all of the, the Frenchmen uh, who are spying on the American military to, to keep tabs on what's happening. Um, yeah. But they... <laughs> It is just a huge cop out as far as like why the French Secret Service isn't just working with the uh, with the American military. And I'm just like, I'm not at liberty to tell you that information. <laughs> and they leave it at that. Never have to explain anything for Secret Service. Yeah, it's like it's not classified. Um, but uh, you have them trying to figure out what's going on, um, and how the. Philippe just wants a good cup of coffee and he cannot find it in New York City. But then he's like, you call this French roast and his bud's like, yeah, it's French roast. He shows him the can. He's like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, it's like, to it's which we get the French best roast. line in the movie where he just looks back and goes, needs more cream. Great. Awesome. Love why, it. why do they speak English to each other when they're just by themselves is my question. Yeah. This movie's not smart enough for that. No, they're um, not. But they might be smart enough for something that's coming up pretty soon where amongst many of these strategies eventually nick says hey we gotta lure him out into the open yeah because they know godzilla's loose somewhere in new york city but and nick is like hey when i uh why. uh in order to study earthworms i would uh, i would uh make them come to me i would electrocute them so i that use they shock would... therapy and yeah it worked um so they just like they used on me to get a performance out of this movie wow uh so they dump just a fuck ton of fish in like I don't know where in the city it is, but it's like a big intersection. Um, like Columbus Circle or something. I think so. I think it's Columbus Circle. Really? I just I just just no because when they wow. or maybe okay, cool. no I'll take it. It's you know Columbus from the, the like two times I've been to New York, it seemed like it was at a corner of Central Park, and I know Columbus Circle is on a corner of Central Park. Um, I, I'm, there might be a listener in New York who's like, ha, that's wrong. Um, anyway, they need to lure him out. And uh, Nick 
has the idea of, oh, the big monster can't smell the fish. We need to open the manholes. And we, we at this point in the movie, know that, oh, he's somewhere in the subway. Um, so we're just going to open some manholes and hope that he smells it. Uh, uh, should I? I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> they I'm go gonna... to manholes in the street. He opens up some manholes and hopes that he smells it. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Smells the fish. He, he opens up the manholes. Dear listener. He smells the fish. Yes. Dear listener, please help me. Um, but, but it he does, works. He, he does, Godzilla. He smells the fish through the manholes. And it comes rising out. God damn it. I'm just describing the movie. Um, Godzilla bursts up from under the asphalt. And um, what? He does. He does. You're right. He rips his way through the asphalt. He rips his way through the asphalt. <laughs> okay, stop making <laughs> stop making it gross. I'm just I'm, I'm, re, I'm requoting it back. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. Um, and for some reason doesn't eat Nick, even though he gets like right in his face. And... He's like, I'm the top billed star. Uh fine. I can't uh, kill fine. you. Okay, fine. Whatever. And then uh, he goes right. to eat the fish, and. Uh, Somehow no one has any indication of just how large this creature is. Because they, they, the American military swoops in with just like, you know, not that assault rifles are small guns. They are very large guns, but um, they for are... For this situation. For this situation, not. they are very, like, comically small. Um, so we, we do get that great line that you remembered and I remembered as well from, this is our second in command. Oh, not, no. Uh, not Kevin Dunn, who is also, his name is Hicks, they reveal later. Uh, there's your aliens reference right there. Um, is the one in, uh, like, at like you know, like a base camp for all that. But mm-hmm. O'Neill is your guy in the field. And he's the one leading this. And poor O'Neill is going to get so many court martials and is going to get run right out of the military after this movie. Because, my God. But, yeah, it was like, yikes. we need bigger guns. Uh, and-, and so what do they do? Is that a reference to we're going to need a bigger boat? Oh, why the hell not? Probably. Um, but anyway, Godzilla's eating up all of the, the fish that they put there. And then they start shooting Godzilla. And Godzilla, understandably, gets mad. And is like, rah, I don't like this. He does say that. Ah, he says that a lot. He does say rah a lot. Um... Chase through the city, he escapes. He weaves oh, no. seamlessly through these buildings in New York, which as far as I know is a pretty like close built up city that you can't just disappear between buildings that easily. But yeah. you know, hey. He's got um, skills. And manages to always duck out of the way at the right time. They blow up the Flatiron building. They blow up the Chrysler building. Yep. And this is no by why I say they, I mean the military blows up. The military this up. blows it up. Um, Which very well, if this movie was smarter, I would say is a reference to the American military system. But I don't think this movie is that smart. Also, very occasionally in this movie, Godzilla breathes fire. Only occasionally. When he feels... My, My theory is that there is some sort of, like, radioactive chemical, or maybe just a normal chemical, um, in... Godzilla's breath that when it interacts with like a gas leak of which there's probably a lot or like a car explodes and like there's 
gasoline everywhere. That that catches on fire. This is sort of what Reign of Fire would do later, though, that then everyone else stole from. And would do it way better. So that's interesting that even Godzilla preceded that. Reign of Fire did it better, I agree. But that's interesting that Godzilla was already doing that. I think Godzilla was just... We want explosions, and wouldn't it be cool if a thing exploded and burst into flame as Godzilla was roaring? Wouldn't it be nice? Um, God, what else happens? This movie is just a sequence of like a people chasing Godzilla uh, and it not going so, well. So, so this th- this whole military exercise does not work at all. But it ends with Godzilla drunkenly hugging a building and roaring. Mm-hmm. It's quite fun. Uh, and then. What what even what even the hell happens? Uh, is, is this when Nick and Audrey reunite? I think that happens a little bit later. Also, Nick yeah. finds um like a blood sample because the the guns do hurt Godzilla to the point at least where he's bleeding. Yeah, and one of the many many wild leaps in logic that Nick makes is that oh I wonder if this creature is pregnant or has laid eggs. And I do want to address something that I, like, legitimately, no irony, really liked about this, is that they continually referred to Godzilla as he, and he was pregnant because gender is a construct. And yes, men, males, can get pregnant, can have children. The whole plot is not handled very well, but I do like that that was consistent, where it's not like, oh, well, it must be a girl. Also, if Godzilla is asexual, why do you assume it's a male? That's where it gets a little hazy for me. He's the iguanodon from hell. I mean, like. But it's I don't like, know. why. And if Godzilla is asexual, why do you assume that this is a male of the species? Does Godzilla have a penis? If so, why does Godzilla have a penis? This is also. A film from the 90s that randomly drops the word retard in it. So yes. it's like, we can't give it that much credit. No. But uh, it was something that I, I kind of forgot about of like, oh no, it's just, he's always referred to as he, and he gives birth to these uh, baby Godzillas, which, we'll get jumping to that. further ahead, when they are puppets, look incredible. When they are CG, look even worse than adult Godzilla. <laughs> Fair to say to move ahead in this weird rambling plot that this movie is, uh, Nick and Audrey eventually reunite in a very awkward scene. But when then Nick they're... is buying all of the pregnancy tests to test the blood, which, like, that's not how pregnancy tests work. But he makes it work. Why? Because they go back to his tent. He you, drops a sample in and it's really like, it's, it's like a slot machine. It's like, ding, 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 pregnant. He, like, drops in the sample of blood and is like, oh, well, this this radioactive monster is clearly with child or was with child recently. Um, I buy that more. I buy him suspecting that Godzilla is nesting more from the, the gathering of the fish. Of like, no, we we need this much fish to have ready for the the offspring that are about to be born. Versus him buying pregnancy tests intended for humans. Dropping a bit of blood on it and immediately being like, oh, I got a result. It's, it's pregnant. 
But he goes to try to investigate this, and this is where we discover that Audrey's a garbage person because she sees the tape that he has of the top secret footage, which, remember, it says top secret and says, like, shush, 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 please don't share. Also, you have never said, hey, can this conversation be on the record? Because she's a garbage person. And she takes the tape and makes it her story to, you know, move ahead in the world. And guess what? The tape goes live... Okay, so Harry Shearer's character does steal the story. It's a non... It's He's a non- also story. a garbage person. He's also a garbage person. It doesn't matter. They're both garbage people doing garbage things to each other. But it gets leaked, and it pops up when they're all in the military meeting after Hicks has, like, told them all, like, hey, Nick knows what's up. I yeah. trust his judgment. Nick and has... immediately it comes up as, like, Nick Tatopoulos has said that this could be pregnant. And they're all, like, I'm sorry, you said what to the press? Fuck you. I didn't say this. Well, I said it to my ex-girlfriend, who I'm very clearly still obsessed with. (laughs) And she said that she was a reporter. Oh, no. What, you mean my ex who, like, broke up with me eight years ago lied to me? Yeah, who I proposed to, and she turned me down and showed up when I'm suddenly a, a, a very interesting person. The movie would have us believe. Yeah, no, um, she only gets interest when he's famous again. She's garbage. Yeah, when she's like, oh, I can use this. I can use our former mm. connection uh, to get ahead in my to career. To which she tries to apologize later. It's the scene that the movie is, I think, trying to make us feel bad for these two. At this point, I was like, I don't care about either of these characters. They're That's... both like, one is a garbage person. One is a piece of wax paper. I don't care. That is the moment where I wrote down the note, ah, yes, this monster movie needs more petty human drama. It doesn't. Dear listener, it doesn't. Godzilla is the smartest character in this movie. But what does Godzilla do around here at this point? They try to lure him out again to Central Park, but he don't go for it. With the fish trick. But he's like, "Mm mm-mm. He's like, I remember. I remember you. So I remember one, this. So once I'm again, we open it. fire. He runs through, dives across I into will get the my fish deepest elsewhere. Hudson River we've ever seen. Where there are submarines waiting. There are submarines with torpedoes. Crimson Tide is happening in the Hudson River. And boy. Um, and, uh, and yeah. Godzilla gets killed by the torpedoes. Killed in the biggest air quotes. And was like, and unless you see And is tumbling in the waves of the clouds going... That is a visual that I remember. Yeah, right? And I'm like, this makes as little sense now as it did then. It it literally looks like he's floating through clouds and yeah. not through like... It looks like he's dead. Disturbed water. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, But, but they're like, no, we don't need to... Up. We don't need to recover the body. I'm like, yeah, you fucking do. Yeah, you do. But they he's, don't. He's not dead unless you've got a body. While this is all happening, Nick is going to the airport because he's been dismissed by the military for obvious giant infractions on his part. Yeah, no, him being dismissed is like, yes, this is 100% the correct You you are lucky you're just getting dismissed. Yeah. Yikes. But guess what? He's not going to the airport. No, he was abducted by the French. (laughs) Sorry, I just, this is earlier during the first, like, confrontation with Godzilla. (laughs) Whoopsie, there goes the Chrysler building. 
Yeah, just a casual. Down. Yeah, it was like the Flatiron Building and the Chrysler Building just Oops. casually getting completely destroyed. Uh, also, these uh, call signs are never said aloud, but they're on the 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 helmets of the helicopter pilots, um, T Bone, Lawman, and Snooze, and they all get eaten real good. Meanwhile, Maverick's like, "Damn it!" <laughs> Maybe that was echo three because there's echo one echo two and echo four it's never uh specified what happens to echo three or if there even is an echo or maybe they were in the top gun academy with maverick and iceman and then they ended up there (gasps) no it's like whatever happened to t-bone and lawman and snooze oh you didn't hear they got eaten by a monster what fuck man um (laughs) top gun maverick is great you guys should go watch the movie it's a better movie than this also like there's a lot of attempts at humor that feel wildly oh out of place. They and, ne- and they're not they're not even jokes. They're not funny. No, and none of it makes sense. And I I'm reminded of this uh because of like those three pilots who, you know, Godzilla kills. At the end of this chase, uh Godzilla has d- once again disappeared back into the subway system. Um and O'Neill is like he did all of this and we didn't do anything to them. To which Nick replies, that's not true. We fed him. At minimum, three people have died. And honestly, that pilot had the be- had the funniest line in the movie. One of the funniest lines in the movie after they witnessed the Chrysler building getting destroyed. And he just goes, uh, that's a negative. Negative hit. And it's just like the most like, how can I say this in a way that's like, we didn't get him. What happened? Uh, I don't want to say. I... Yikes. Wow. I blew up the Chrysler building. Like, that's the that's one of the funnier lines. Because, yeah, everything else is like, yeah. Or like the, what? That's a lot of fish. And then they yeah. just, they, 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 they pause in it for a while. Like, they're like, huh? And the audience is like, oh, yeah, okay, huh? No. What? This is, is this um, a joke? There are so many moments of it's like, get it? And we're all like, was that a joke? Should I be laughing? Oh, uh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, weird attempts at humor that just don't land, and the only reason I guess that they are jokes is because of how long, yeah, the shot holds on the person saying it. I feel like it's usually Nick's character who is given those types of lines, and it just doesn't read. Yet this human Cheerio can't deliver. A comedic line to save his life. It's just, it's a nothing part. It's a nothing part. It doesn't make any sense. I maintain uh, Philippe should have been the lead of this movie. Uh, Philippe speaking and of Philippe, though, Philippe and Elsie should have been the leads of this movie. But speaking of Philippe, he's abducted, but eventually agrees to work with his French Secret Service, who he discovers that's who they are, and they're like, "Hey, they don't want to investigate the nest, but you do, and so do we. Let's go do it." And while that's all happening, uh, Animal and Audrey team up and they're like, we're going to go get this on film and like, we're going to make you famous. Yeah, because again, Animal is like, hey, hey, Audrey, I know Lucy wanted me to come talk to you to make you feel better. But like, again, I'm really tired of working at this news station. I really want to work for National Geographic. I want to work for the IFC. Will you come with me to help deliver the news about this nest? And also you, you can in so doing prove your ex-boyfriend right and maybe you know apologize for 
once again violating every journalistic rule. Huge garbage dump of a person. Yeah, you have violated every ethical code that a journalist must abide by. Um, just so quickly, so fast, and with someone who you had like a long-term intimate relationship with. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, do you want to go hunt down these monsters? Yeah, sure. Let's hop out in the rain. But oh no, I gotta have on my nice coat and like a little beret. I gotta look good for this broadcast that we're gonna do. A lot of berets in this movie. Um, a lot of berets and turned around hats. Uh, I feel like we've been at this for a while. Let's. Uh... So they're in the they're they're, they're in the they're, tunnels. They're in the tunnels going through shenanigans happening. As a matter, they end up at Madison Square Garden. That's the butts we're building to. Yes, and I would say the big final set piece, except. This they movie, build it up to be the big final set piece, but uh, it's not. But they find the eggs. Guess what? Nick was right. And they find this huge nest. It's all over Madison Square Garden. And they arrive just in time for the little baby Godzilla's to hatch. And by little babies, I mean they're nine feet tall. And they are hungry. Look, they just don't want them to touch their egg. I can't blame them. Um, and I, I was given a sliver of hope when the eggs started hatching because the eggs themselves which are all like real physical props uh and the puppets that burst out of them look incredible they look they, good they look great they look good they do yeah i i i, I, I up to that. uh but then very quickly basically once they start running after our I won't say heroes our it, protagonists it becomes a sci-fi original movie yikes the uh, cg oh wow and on the one hand, I do, to a point, understand why it looks the way that it does. Because there were just so many of them to animate. And I understand that that takes, like, a really fucking long time. And probably for budget reasons. All of that. Like, I understand, to a certain extent, why the end result looks the way that it does. But you don't does. have to have so many on screen. You could yeah. just devote time to one at a time and make it look better. Yeah. But you wanted to do more. You wanted bigger is better. And as a result, you sacrifice quality. And you get a huge, huge set piece within Madison Square Garden where, uh, again, not our heroes, our protagonists are trying to both get out of Madison Square Garden and also contain all of these monsters within the building so that they don't spread into the city. Yeah, uh, Nick, Nick busts open a gumball machine, causing them all to slip and dive into a whole thing of basketballs, which frankly still look like a better team than the Knicks have put out in the last 30 years. Um, they very quickly realize they can't get out, but then um, literally the only time that Audrey is useful in this movie is she's like, wait a minute, I know how to contact, maybe not specifically the military, but I do know how to get a message out because the military's phone lines are all jammed. Our radio, or not our radio, our TV station broadcasts from Madison Square Gardens to cover the Rangers games. We can broadcast from here. And it is a clutch move. It is the only clutch move that Audrey has. It's true. Um, and it's like, hey, guess what? I get to be uh, a reporter just like I always wanted. And also I get to say sorry but what about to my ex? But what about Jean Luc and Jean Paul and Jean Pierre and Jean Everyone. Raphael and Jean Louis and all the other Jeans in this group? Everyone except for Philippe, their first name is a hyphenate, and the first part of that hyphenate is Jean. And the entire French Secret Service gets dispatched in 
beautiful, tacky horror fashion. It's yeah, quite lovely. It is very clearly trying to be the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's, even subtle. It, it's trying to be the, the Lost Riders in Jurassic Park meets the aliens from Aliens. Yeah, and it's you just... have Audrey and Animal climbing up into, like, the, the air ducts to get away, just like they do in Jurassic Park. Um, There's so, so many shots that are but just the, a direct The, the French have all been killed. They they get down. They get, they get the message out. To which, as you had said, we get what's the line that Kevin Dunn has to tell mm-hmm. to everyone? Uh, yes, let me spell it out for you. I want you to blow up Madison Square Garden. And uh, they are able to get a message back to our band of protagonists. You have six minutes to get out of the building. Oh, so they got through the... Uh the showers in Madison Square Garden, which animals like, oh, it's where they take the showers, man. That's a great moment. Because we're like, we're seeing more of animal than we thought we knew, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. To which I'm like, okay, so they're chasing you, at least in the beginning, because you smell like the fish that you had to climb through to get there. There is a bath full of water for some reason. Maybe it's a pool. There's a pool there. Hop in the pool and but hop out. that's where the Knicks bathe. I can't get in that pool. I'm he not one of absolutely them. absolutely would swim in that pool. But maybe, but he also might be the guy that's like, no, I can't touch that water. That's like holy water that they're in. I, I can't even look at it. I don't think the Knicks would mind. Well, no, they wouldn't, but this is Animal we're talking about. This is a guy who will buy tickets to go to the game to yell at them and still be like, but they're my team. I love these guys. Uh, but they eventually are almost about to get out of msg before it gets blown up and there's a bunch in the lobby that are like now you can't leave because we all went to the lobby and now you can't go anywhere let's all go to the lobby and they did (laughs) and that's where yeah none of them have broken through the glass doors that lead out onto the street they're very polite they wait till all their scenes are done before they bust into a room and then they're Mm -hmm. like we should probably invade uh, they... Philippe gets them out. He yes. blows up all the lamps to get them out in a brilliant move. Yeah, he shoots down the chandeliers one by one to, like, clear a path. It's um, like multiple fan of the operas going on. Basically. Uh, they get out just in time. Um, they have all definitely lost their hearing from the explosion that happens not 20 feet away from and them. And have probably been severely burned. Uh... They don't show it. Probably have... If not broken bones, then, like, definitely some sprains. Like, they're... They're they're a mess. They're a mess. Um, but they've all been in destroyed. in my brain, in my memory, this is where the film ended. But, oh, no, because we paused the movie and there were still 20 minutes left. And uh, I don't know if you guessed this, but uh, Big Godzilla... <gasps> what? ...isn't dead. What? And emerges... From the burning wreckage of Madison Square Garden and goes Rawr! and looks at our protagonists again, not our heroes, and stares at them and being like, Did you kill all of my children? I think you did. Look at how they massacred them. I'm gonna boy. get you. Um, and then. X gonna get you, and she does. Uh, I, then. They hop into a cab, which is unlocked. Honestly, the fact that a car 
specifically a taxi, was unlocked on the streets of New York City was the most unbelievable part of this whole movie. Now, granted, I, I'll give them a pass for that because whoever was in the taxi might have seen a giant Godzilla monster and just booked it. I guess. But I feel like it was Unless parked on like, a curb. Just because I leave my God, I'm not going to lock it. Also, I got to make sure I'm in a zone where I'm not going to get towed. Hey, Godzilla, what are you doing to me, man? Uh, all of this to say... It's a lot of running. Godzilla right, chases right, right, them right, right, right. through the streets of New York. They get stuck in a tunnel. They get unstuck from that tunnel by using their high beams. Um, and they lure it onto the Brooklyn Bridge, they which promptly gets... They end up in its gets... mouth at one point, but then they get out. Yeah, it, uh, it's this it whole extended sequence where it's like, this would have made a better set piece earlier in the film. But, it feels really misplaced. But they but they get Godzilla tangled up in the suspension coils of the Brooklyn Bridge, proving once again that he couldn't make it there. He couldn't make it anywhere. Uh, and he gets trapped. The military planes are like, boom, boom, boom. We are going to shoot you with these big old missiles. All I wanted to go was... And I did remember like a vague feeling of feeling bad for Godzilla at the end of this movie. And that uh, increased tenfold because like in all of this, Godzilla has done absolutely nothing wrong. It's very much an unearned sad ending because like they don't build this up at all. It's the, it's the clunkier version of a King Kong ending where you're like, Hey, you brought this creature to the city. They escaped. They climbed the building. They got shot down. We feel bad at the end because he didn't know any better. Same with Godzilla, except they literally give you two minutes of like, "Why oh, should feel bad?" and immediately go, "Whoop, never mind." No, because even they've even kind of established earlier on that Godzilla won't attack people if it's not being attacked. Like it'll cause damage, but that's just because of how well, big it yes, is. Yes, but these are all very loose things that are not gone into all that much. This is the first moment where we really are supposed to feel like, a, "Oh, yeah." Because we've all been like, oh, they're going to blow him up. And now it's like, oh, wait, no, I feel bad that they're trying to blow him up. And then immediately they go, nope, applause. It's all good. Yeah. And then they, it, they, they try to have their cake and eat it, too. It's like, well, let's have an intimate moment here. It's like, you have not earned this intimate moment. Stop that. No. Movie. That's uh, bullshit. Yeah. Godzilla dies. Okay. Um, and Nick and Audrey are back together. Yikes. And Audrey... Quits and says, you know, we can't say fuck you in this PG-13 movie, but fuck you, uh, former boss. I'll bet you 500 bucks that relationship doesn't last. Yeah. Um, but wait. Philippe is going to send an edited version of the tape that Animal was filming because he needs to remove himself because he, he cannot... Also, it we cannot did, be known we, we that he was there. We did talk earlier about Animal's moment with the tape where he's trying to get it to work and he just has a nice, like, pause of, like, wait, push it in. Stop hitting it. Just... Be calm. Gently. It's a it. It, it's a brilliant little moment that like I mean people like Hank Azaria get here where they remember it's like hey you have an excellent comedic actor here use yeah. them but yes Philippe has taken the tape to do some editing and you know walks off into the sunset yeah and um oh. hey look the, the monster was defeated <gasps> wait in, what in the burning wreckage of Madison Square Garden a single egg awaits sequel untouched and then you see it hatch and the uh once again truly atrocious cg baby godzilla bursts out of this egg roaring and then it's a smash cut to the credits and that's 
the where end. we get a, a truly atrocious sampling of cashmere and then later a cover of heroes that is just makes your ears bleed um and that's godzilla that from is, 1998 that's that's a thing that happened um i think we covered just about everything was there something anything you wanted to do we want to just do a quick recap of what worked for us and what didn't work for us well i like the idea of godzilla pulling all those boats down which i just imagine are all of his bath toys when he's like "Ooh, i like this one the most. yeah he's just having a little snack and then it's like it's a happy meal it's a it's a meal that comes with a toy mm-hmm uh, they did sneak in that original Godzilla roar throughout occasionally, which did feel like a slap in the face. It's like, you're not. No, stop it. Don't use that roar. That doesn't seem right. Just my, my final thing on the CG, because as we talked about, watch it for yourself. You'll see the rough moments and all that. But if you wanted me to get specific at all about like why a lot of it doesn't work, especially with the Godzilla figure, um, there are parts of the movie where there is weight to Godzilla. and We can feel it. We feel Godzilla's presence in the city. And the other times, Godzilla's flying around like a he cartoon tur- character. He turns into a gymnast. It's just, and there's no weight at all, and immediately any suspension of disbelief is gone. And you're like, yeah, I'm just watching a computer game right now. Like, it's it's really rough. Recap. Most things didn't work for me, uh, so I won't rehash them. Um, what worked? I feel like a decent amount of the supporting cast is actually pretty solid in this. They're solid, yeah. They are criminally underutilized. I maintain the puppets of the baby Godzillas. I was a fan of. Mm-hmm. A couple uh, of the early Godzilla shots. Really yeah, early. I feel like the teasing of the Godzilla reveal was done really well. It just, the reveal happened a little too early, or it happened in full a little too early. Um, that's most of what I got. Philippe. And Elsie should have been the leads of this movie, I maintain. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave it at that. Shall we dive into nostalgia-infused grades? We will. Uh, before we do, though, I did want to give some number rundown for this. Um, so, what do you think the budget of this movie was in 1998? Oh, boy. I know, I know, I know. There are so many Godzillas in this in this movie. Oh, $150 million. Pretty close, hundred and thirty million. Hey. Which, if you adjusted for inflation in nineteen ninety eight, would have been about two hundred thirty six million dollars today. Yeah. Yikes! So yeah. already you can tell this movie went in with a shit ton of promo and a shit ton of money behind it. You can't always see it on the screen, unfortunately. Um, sometimes you can. Sometimes. Not so much. Yeah. That's a lot of money, though, being Honestly, I see it more in the the on-location filming in New York and in Hawaii Mm -hmm. than in Godzilla. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The domestic total of this movie was, what do you think it was? Domestic. Based off of comments you made earlier, I don't think it was that great. Um, So you said the budget was 130. Mm Mm-hmm. 90. 90 million. Ooh. No, not quite that bad. 136. Okay, so roughly even with what the estimated budget. Not a was. profit by any means. No. Yes. Thankfully, though, for international release, it added about 240, bringing it to a worldwide cum of about 379 million. So overall, financially, worldwide, was okay. did pretty good. I don't believe it was nearly the hit they were expecting. They were really expecting some massive global hit. 
that was going to pave the way for sequels. It was not received that way. It was savaged by critics. Audiences did not turn out. And that sequel tease at the end never happened. Nope. We did get the Godzilla TV show, the animated TV show after, which by all accounts is supposed to be 10 times better than the movie. Which I never watched is it. very intriguing. Did but, it follow these characters? Uh, I believe it followed the story, but I believe it started over with new characters, which is a smart move because a lot of these yeah. characters are kind of pointless. Unless it's Philippe. But I don't think they followed him. Boom. Anywho, uh, all that to say, that was the financial conjecture of this movie. Uh, not great. Now shall we get into yes. revised grades? We shall. What is your revised grade? You started at a B plus. I did. Oh boy. Mm. Um, let's see. We've all made mistakes. I reiterate, uh, baby Nicole did not have the critical uh, eye. But baby Nicole had the critical eye to be I have like, now. they don't know what they're doing. Uh, this is dropping down to a D plus. Okay. I cannot give it a passing grade. There are some elements of it that I do still enjoy. They are few and far between. And they cannot save this movie to give it a passing grade. Which at minimum is a C minus, so a D plus. Same. I started at a C plus because I was being very generous. Uh, I'll give it a D because I'm feeling generous. I can't give it an F because I did talk about things that I did like and there were enough things that I liked that I can give it to a D, but I refuse to give this movie any higher than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a, this is a grade D. Yeah. This is a piece of shit. Um, there you have it, folks. Uh, I really, <laughs> I really hope that you didn't watch along with us because, um, but I hope you did. And then you can, I will say with us. that we did have a great time riffing on it as it was playing. Oh my God. I, I feel like that is where this movie exists of like, if you are looking for a dumb movie to like have a good time like ripping apart with friends uh it's 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 great for that it's also just important i feel like for any of you out there you you want to have a good amount of like dumb movies you can watch and you should always have that one friend whoever that is for you whether it's a friend a partner whoever a sibling doesn't matter who it is we should all have at least that at least one person who we can watch these movies with and have a good time with because it's a lot of fun and it makes it easier to get through films like this. Movies like this. All this to say we cannot recommend this. But that will conclude our monster month of August. <laughs> Man, Rain of Fire was such a better film. Yeah. By like I, tenfold. Which like I I knew that Godzilla was going to be a bad, but I will still argue a fun time. Bad, but fun. I Reign of Fire really surprised me. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, but this all to pave way for, we will be back in September, where we have another month where, where specifically we'll be looking at some really fun, weird, bizarre animated movies from the 90s that are not Disney. Yay. What are they going to be? You're going to have to wait and I find remember out. one of them, but I'm blanking on what the other one is. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll tell you after this because I can't tell them here right yeah, now. Yeah, because it's a secret. Uh, alrighty, folks. Uh, if you've stuck with us for this long, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have enjoyed 
this episode. Uh, if you enjoy the show as a whole, please consider leaving a rating and or review. I, uh, five stars is ideal on your podcast listening platform of choice, if such a thing is an option. Anything um, less than that, just be nice and just leave nothing uh, at all. Yeah, just keep it to yourself. Uh, also, listen to what brings you joy, and if this isn't it, find something else. Uh, life is too short. Um if you want to follow the show on social media, we are on Twitter and Instagram at WhatAMoviePod on both platforms. If you would like to follow me, I am also on Twitter and Instagram at NicoleKnudsen16. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheRealJFerrero. That's real with two E's like a film reel. And Ferrero like Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> uh, spelled differently from how the character name is in this film. But not spelled differently from my last name. F-E-R-R-E-R-O. Say with me now, Ferrero. It's not that hard to say. Same with Knudsen. Same with Tatopoulos. Get I know, it? I know the K trips people up, but it's really not that difficult. Um, and we are not heirs to the fortune of cottage cheese and chocolates. So sadly. Don't ask us. Uh, all of this to say, it is nighttime for us. So we hope you have a good night or a good day or a good morning whenever you're listening. I'm James Ferrero. And I'm Nicole Knudsen. And what a movie. <laughs> Oh, God. French iguanodon from hell. So many iguanas. So many iguanas. I wish there were more iguanas, just not the big one. No. Because real iguanas look normal because they're real, because they're living creatures and not CGI monstrosities.